along the way, I read this quote. It was from David Bowie from a December 99 Rolling Stone magazine, like they're a millennial issue, the last issue of the century. He said one of the most important rock bands in, in American rock has been buried without a trace. It's Fanny. And then the last line of the time capsule said, revivify Fanny and I will feel that my work is done. And hey, who am I to not you know, want to follow what David Bowie's asking for. So I said, okay, time to make a film and revivify Fanny. Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Aaron, here with my co-host, Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party, and our producer, Shar. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events. Sometimes over a glass of whiskey. But if you're thirsty for more bitches, find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay Best Podcast in 2022. And now, on with the show. Talkers, we are here at CamFest 2023 to talk about a documentary that was so fun to watch. It's called Fanny, The Right to Rock. We're sitting down with our director, Bobby Joe Hart. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Bobby Joe. Thanks for having me, Angela. This is great. Yeah, I want to do a quick intro. Uh, what is your documentary all about for our audience members that haven't seen it yet? Well, it's really an untold story that I'm bringing to light, um, an incredible groundbreaking band that included and includes uh, Filipina American women, uh, queer women, and that were playing their own instruments, writing their own songs and kicking ass and taking names back in the 60s and early 70s. And were, you know, they were the first all-female rock band or band in any kind of band that released an album, an LP with a major label with Warner Reprise. Thank you so much. This is what documentaries are made for because, of course, I knew everyone, all the old school rockers that you interviewed about Fanny. I knew all of them. I knew all their songs, but I'd never heard of Fanny. It's just it's horrible. Um, and you go through all the reasons why uh, in the documentary. Um, but I wanted to start at the beginning. I read an interesting story of uh, how Fanny first caught your eye. You were searching for a, a guitar for your daughter. Can you tell me this story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, about seven years ago. I mean, my daughter's 18 now. And uh, at the time, she was about 12, so maybe eight years. Holy cow. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, yeah, and she was really into music and guitar, and she was starting to write some songs herself. And But she had a really crappy guitar because I got her a very inexpensive one just to see because she was learning piano and wanted to switch to guitar. So I said, okay, I'll buy kind of a cheapy guitar and just see if she sticks with it. And she did. And so her guitar teacher was like, okay, it's time to upgrade. Taylor guitars are good. They're not too expensive and they're really well-made, blah, blah, blah. Go on their website. You can just see some images, you know, and, and check it out a bit. So I go on the site and then, but across the top of the menu, it said, you know, the section called stories. And I immediately went down that rabbit hole, completely <laughs> forgot about the guitars. And I'm just <laughs> reading about all these interesting people and their stories of, you know, people that happen to, you know, play Taylor guitars. Uh, and this photo, as I'm scrolling, comes up of this woman with this flaming gray hair, wheeling this guitar. And it was June Millington, the lead guitarist of Fanny. And I just started, re I didn't recognize her. Um, and so I just started reading the story. 
And I was just blown away. I mean, this band released, you know, five critically acclaimed albums between in four years, between 70 and 74. And I was just, you know, I was just reading all about them. And then somewhere along the way, I read this quote. It was from David Bowie. And it's like, okay, I know David Bowie. (laughs) And the quote said, you know, it was this long, it was a pull quote from a December 99 Rolling Stone magazine. Like they're a millennial issue, the last issue of the century. So all these famous people were asked to give like their time capsule of what we should remember from that last century. And David Bowie chose Fanny. He said one of the, you know, one of the most important rock bands in in American rock has been buried without a trace. It's Fanny. They played like motherfuckers. You can say that on the the bitch, the bitch Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then the last line of the time capsule said, revivify Fanny and I will feel that my work is done. And hey, who am I to not, you know, want to follow what David Bowie's asking for? So I said, okay, time to make a film and revivify Fanny. And that's what's, that's what we've done. And literally we're touring California right now um, with the band and the film. um, And it's called the revivify tour. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's and one we were thing. Just at the whiskey last night sold out at the whiskey. And guess who gets, sends me an email this afternoon? Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, <gasps> oh. who's a huge fan of Fanny. And he's like, hey, Bobby, a friend of mine was walking down Sunset Boulevard and he snapped this photo. And it was a photo of the marquee of Fanny 50th anniversary concert and all the huge lineup outside of the whiskey. And he somehow somebody sent it to him in the UK and he's like, emailed it to me. I'm like, yeah, Joe, we were there. <laughs> that gives me goosebumps because it's just right where it started, right? Well, they were the troubadour when they first yeah. got their yeah, big, big discovered. Exactly. But it's just like for, for an old school rocker to see that on, on, on Hollywood Boulevard, like rub your eyes, like, wait, am I seeing this correctly? 50 years later, it's unbelievable. And Joe Elliott is a major star in the documentary, a major fan. Yeah, he's a major fan. Discovered them at age 12. You know, I don't want to give spoilers for those that might be watching the film, but he he definitely discovers them at a young age. And he's still a huge fan, really supportive of the band and loves them. Um, They're going on tour Def Leppard across the U.S. this summer. And I I wrote back and said, hey, you should have Fanny open for you. And, you know, you you should sing together. You guys should sing Blind Alley because Joe at one point was saying, maybe I'll record Blind Alley or do something or I don't know. And, you know, he's been so busy touring last year with Botley Crew, and then they're coming back to the U.S. this summer. So I was like, come on, Joe, bring him up, bring him up. They're, 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 they're playing, they're touring, let's do it. So crossing my fingers, you know, I know he's got a huge tour ahead, but it would be so cool to see them on stage together sometime. That would be so fun. I'm keeping my eyes peeled. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Cross, cross fingers. But, but it's one thing to come across an article and think, okay, that'd be a good story. But how does that even come to fruition? You said you found this article eight years ago. So how did eight years later, <laughs> what happened in between? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, I got in touch first with June Millington, the lead guitarist, and Alice DeBeer, one of the drummers, and uh, the original Fanny drummer when they were signed with Warner Reprise. And... I just was, you know, I was finishing and and actually touring in festivals with my previous film, Rebels on Point, which was about um, all-male drag ballet company from New York from the 70s who are amazing. And that came to San Francisco, too, at Frameline. And then this film also had its U.S. premiere at Frameline. Um, But... I was looking at CamFest the whole time. I'm like, this is such a freaking perfect film for them. And so when Cam... 
um, came on board, that's Center for Asian American Media, for those that might not know, they came on board to largely underwrite the film on PBS to like really buoy it. And they've gotten so behind it. It's, it's like way better than I could have imagined. Like if we'd ended up in the festival the first time around, it wouldn't have had the same momentum. Like literally cam people were at the whiskey with us last night. Like we're all kind of road tripping up to San Francisco today and then cam fest tomorrow at, you know, SF MoMA, the film and Q and a, and then, Yerba Buena Gardens concert with the band on Saturday with Ruby Ibarra opening for them and, and another up and coming, you know, uh, Asian American band, uh, People and the Cats. Um, but I know I'm digressing here. And so like back to like how I got to this point where we are right now is I, after getting in touch with Alice and June, just stayed in touch with them. You know, as I, like I said, I try to start opening my kind of serendipity eyes and ears to the next film you know once I'm kind of in the can and it's starting to launch into festivals you know because I'm not so focused on like trying to deliver it you know at that point so um so I just stayed in touch with them like I started digging and finding archives and photos and things but I really didn't want to do a film that was like the backstory only I personally really like following that being that fly on the wall following things you know, like a forward momentum narrative that's happening now. And so I was waiting kind of something cool to happen with the band that, you know, hoping something would happen. And so a few years later, you know, I hadn't been in touch with June, I think for about six months at that point, you know, and um, I have to say my daughter after the elections, I think it was a 2016, was that the elections? Yes. Yes. (laughs) The dark ages. Yes. Dark ages. Indeed. She was really keen to watch all of the debates and everything. And she was really nervous. She was frightened about the potential of what would happen. But the election results didn't come into like 3 a.m. So she went to bed and she was like, yeah, about 12, 13 at the time. And she wakes up and mom, mom, what happened? And I told her the news, you know, and she just started bawling and crying and so scared oh my god mom what's gonna happen to the world and she was so scared and I was like oh my gosh you know this is too much for a kid this age you know so I don't know a couple months later I heard about the million women's march in DC and I called my sister in Portland Oregon and who has a niece the same age as my daughter um and I said let's meet in DC So we rented an under, you know, like a basement Airbnb. We go to the march. People in the subway give us pussy hats handed by somebody (laughs) out west. It was just so beautiful. And we're sitting there and the girls climbed a tree next to us. We're a couple blocks from the stage. And I look up on the Jumbotron and it's like Madonna on stage with all these women. And there's this this woman right over her shoulder who's filming with this little iPhone and then she takes the iPhone down and it's June freaking Millington. No. Right over Madonna's shoulder, of course, on stage with all these iconic women. And I'm like, no way. I'm trying to call her, but, you know, too many million March people there and you couldn't get the phone. You know, I couldn't call her. So that night I called her and she's like, yeah, I'm leaving D.C. tonight. And that was so great. And hey, by the way, Bobby, we got a new rock record deal. We're recording in three weeks. No. But like, the serendipity of this and yeah, it being so, an eight year long, you know, or, you know, four year long at that point process. Exactly. Insane. And so I like rallied. I found a DOP, like a cinematographer I had never worked with, Claire Sanford. We threw a bunch of gear in the car. We just drove from Montreal, where I live now. I'm from California, born and raised, but I live in Montreal. And 
we just drove, you know, because we could drive from Montreal about five hours down to Goshen, Massachusetts, where June and her partner Anne's Institute for the Musical Arts is, where they've been holding rock camps, as Bonnie Raitt says in the film, long before anybody else was doing it. I mean, they're they're still kind of underground, actually, but they just, yeah, it's an amazing space. So we drove our car down, got a little Airbnb, luckily across the street, and then we met the, you know, it was it, the the rock album deal was with June, her sister, Jean, who plays bass, and Brie, Darling, who they, those three Philippine Americans were together in their high school band, The Spelts, in Sacramento, here in the Bay Area, and toured all over California, including San Francisco, and had a band home, I think, down in Los Altos Hills, and anyway, so they get this rock record deal, and I show up, and I'm meeting them literally face-to-face for the first time. The night before, Claire, the, my DOP and I, we meet them. Hey, 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 hi, 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 bye. Next morning, they literally just broke in the studio and start playing together for the first time in years. And so that was really magical. We just embed ourselves for a week, their first week of recording. And um, and that was the beginning, you know, and here we are several years later. I mean, we were supposed to release the film in 2020. And it was going to have its world premiere at Hot Docs, uh, the world's largest doc fest, as you probably know, in in, in uh, Toronto. And I just couldn't do it. I'm like, these women have been waiting 50 years to get recognized. And it, we're going to have like all these online Q&As. They can't be in an audience. They can't perform live. They can't get that love that you get in those settings and festivals. And so I asked Hot Docs and I asked Frameline in San Francisco, which was already going to be the U.S. premiere. I said, would you guys wait till next year? And Frameline was like, absolutely, no problem. We get it. Okay, let's do it. And then Hot Dogs was like, yes, but we have to like officially enter you again next year and blah, blah, blah. But both got us in in 2021. We was still online at Hot Dogs, but that was okay because Frameline was like right after and they had a big drive-in screening um, just out east of San Francisco. We had the same yellow convertible that they had people will see in the film and you come see it tomorrow night. <laughs> and they drove, you know, we drove like up and down the rows of the drive-in, you know, and like honking the horn and handy. We had these like signs, get behind Fanny. And everybody's like honking and there was music billowing out of Fanny. And it was <laughs> such a festive uh, like premiere. And um, so that's like, that's where it went from there. I mean, it's just been an incredible journey. And it was so great. And we've been in a lot of, you know, different environments, but like, this is really magical. We're coming back to the Bay area here in San Francisco. So like we'll be at CamFest, And then on Monday, um, just this coming Monday after CamFest events, the, the film screening and the concert at Yerba Buena Gardens, we go to Sacramento where the band started, you know, like as a high school band and the local PBS station has rented the historic Crest theater that seats like a thousand people and they're hosting a live screening on Monday, May 22nd, the night that the film airs nationwide on PBS. And the band's going to perform a full concert after the screening. And it's already sold out. Like, it's just, it couldn't be better. Like, they're cut, this is, and they're building it like homecoming. So coming to the Bay Area for CamFest in Sacramento and them to be able to, like, have this love and this, you know, Asian American love, you know, and just... You know, because as Brie Darling, uh, the drummer and Fanny said at, when we did a screening at the Grammy Museum a few days ago in L.A., she said 
you know, I really was trying so hard when I was younger to fit in. I just wanted to be like everyone else, you know, because people just didn't know where I was from. You know, they would never have guessed I was Philippine American. Am I Mexican? Am I this? Am I that? And she's like, so I was just dreaming of just fitting in and being like everyone else for so long. She says, now I really feel like my my Filipino pride, my, you know, is just like exploded. And and that just gives me goosebumps even to say it because I see, you know, her and June and Jean, like I just see them just feeling this love and 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 just and just, you know, being out and proud, you know, two bandmates, uh, Alice and June are are uh, lesbian. And then, you know, June and her sister, Jean and Brie, Filipino-American. And it's just like a love fest. I mean, and you've got both of that. I mean, how much more love could you get for those two, you know, being lesbian or being Asian-American than coming to San Francisco? Exactly. And fest, like, yeah. Exactly. Welcome home. <laughs> you're right. Thank you. I love your energy, Bobby Joe, and um, you, you're giving me chills, and I'm so excited because we're going to Bitchock is going to be at all of the events upcoming as well, and we hope our listeners will join us. We'll give you the info as soon as we wrap here. But it it just makes me think, and and their story especially is that you know they may not have received the fame that they deserved in that moment and that they worked so hard for, but really it really makes you double think what your definition of success is because. Clearly, they were a success, and you can see that in every w- woman musician that has come since then. Some that will be seeing, you know, on Saturday Live performing alongside them, and all all the people that you interviewed in this documentary. It's like it really makes you just sort of change your perception of like they were a huge success, whether it it, it fills these parameters or not. I agree with you. You know, and it's just. I, Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's who's in the film and she, she and Sheree Curry from the Runaways and the Linda Lindas introduced them last night at the whiskey and then jumped on stage oh with them to perform <laughs> their women's anthem song when we need her. It was just electric. And, um, Kathy Valentine told me on the phone recently, um, you know, Bobby, one of the things, the reasons why I don't think that they were as known as the Go-Go, she said, it's just, it's visibility. You know, uh, visibility just of like who they are, the you know, like the layers of who they are, so you get to know them. But also, Go Go's came out in like the age of MTV. You know, that was my high school years, the Go Go's, and you know, I want my MTV, and it's just the visibility, and and you know, as Earl Slick, David Bowie's guitarist, says in the film, it's always the ones that started that get fucked. You know, and but yet. Here we are doing what David Bowie asked, revivifying Fanny. You know, you're part of that. It's like this, it's like, a, you know, it takes a village to revivify and Fanny, you know, so to speak. And they were successful. And you know what? And they are. And, you know, seeing Michelle Yo take, you know, Best Actress Academy Awards and, you know, and her speech was so amazing. You know, this is my prime, you know, and we know who she was talking to, Mr. CNN, who just got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm in my prime. You know, and and Fanny's in their prime, and your prime, your prime is whenever you fucking want it to be. Correct. It's nobody else's decision to tell you when your fucking prime is. You know, make it whenever you want. Make your prime be many times in your life. Sometimes you're gonna have highs and lows. Someday it feels prime. Some days it feels like in the in the ditch. But you know, you gotta be in the ditch to know what a prime is. You gotta trip and fall and make mistakes to to build towards success and. You know, as you say, Fanny was a success and they are a success. And, and they continue and they, to be, correct. And they continue to be. And, and it's just nice that more people are going to realize that. 
Oh, Bobby Joe, I love you. Can you call me and give me pep talks maybe once a week? Anytime. <laughs> I'm here, bitching, bitching girl. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure, and I look forward to meeting you. This is going. This episode is going out on Friday the 19th, so I want to give our audience all the information. You can come see all of us tonight and watch Fanny the Right to Rock at the SF MoMA. 5.30 p.m. tonight is Friday the 19th. You can get tickets at CAMFEST, that's C-A-A-M-F-E-S-T dot com. And then tomorrow, Saturday the 20th, is uh, we're going to be rocking out at the Yerba Buena Gardens Festival in San Francisco. And that concert is free, so you have zero excuses for that as well. And that will be at 1 p.m. correct absolutely 1 to 3 p.m. and there's going to be Asian American food trucks around it and it's just it's going to be such a killer vibe like people show up you're not going to want to miss this man thank you so much for your work and for your energy and for your time and uh, let's party we'll see you this evening I can't wait to see you tonight Angela on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.